0: Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all well. And enjoying this lovely, bright, sunny, slightly cloudy day. Um, Wonderful to be here, um, as usual, worshipping with you. I just want to first of all say thank you to Tim and Jenny uh, for that lovely uh, testimony and sharing so much of what you do in Romania for so many years. Thank you so much for that. Um, faith in action isn 't it amazing amazing work that they 're doing um, today we 're continuing our series in James, so please take out your Bibles if you can if you do have one um, if you don 't hopefully someone can lend you a hand with the with physical Bible um, or switch on your phones and 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 turn to the Bible app um, we're in modern day times now, aren't we? <clears throat> so James chapter two, we're talking. We're looking at the second half of that chapter, um, and before we kind of dive right in, just reminding ourselves about the background. Written by James, of course, the brother of Jesus. Written about. Between 60 and 70 AD, shortly before James was martyred, he, you know he was preaching on the streets, and um, King Herod didn't really like that at all, and ordered him to be to be killed. But this message is written to the Jewish Christians, not necessarily the unbelievers. These are people people who lived with Jesus. Some of them would have done that, um, listened to him, walked with him, and believed in him. And it's a very, very strong message to them. If you're a Christian, this message is for you, it's for me, it's for us. And sometimes when I do Bible studies and, or I'm preparing to speak, I think about the tone of the message. And for me, this one is a plain talking, very, very firm, very firm encouragement. It's not a, hey, it would be kind of nice to do this. (laughs) It would be kind of nice to, to have a little bit of faith and follow up with a little bit of action. It's a very, very firm message this morning. And it's really urgent as well. It was urgent back then and is still urgent today. James chapter 2, 14 to 26, Faith and Works. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does absolutely nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. (laughs) Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Wasn't our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off, send them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Ouch. One of the many things that I do... Relish and love about our church is the kindness and the practical stuff that, that, that a lot of our um, church family um, do do not just within the community but further for field, and of course we do a lot of missionary work and so on. But I remember a few years ago, probably about twelve years ago, we were transitioning. My family and I we were transitioning from London. Um, we we used to live in London, in the, in the east end of London. And, um, and we went to Kensington Temple uh, in, in, in West London, in Notting Hill. And we were heavily involved there. And after first two, two children were born, um, we stayed there for a while and so on, um, even after we moved to Billericay. But when our third child was born, <laughs> it was a little bit more difficult to keep on traveling um, driving and, or taking the train from Billericay into, into Notting Hill. So we decided to go local. And, and we shopped around, quote-unquote. <laughs> and we landed on Billericay Baptist. So we weren't really members then. We we're, were just visiting the church. And 12 years ago, when Christine was pregnant with William, our, our youngest, um, we had a challenge. We had a major, major situation on our hands. Just before he was born, the doctors realized or discovered that one of his kidneys was like three times the size of the other one. And it wasn't emptying urine whatsoever. It it was a huge um, time for us. And it was a condition called hydronephrosis. And um, we were obviously anxious. And the doctor said, we'll just monitor it. And, and uh, chances are, it will kind of uh, the swelling will go down and everything. Everything will be all right. But then, shortly after he was born, it it actually got worse, and um, we needed babysitters and all sorts of stuff. We kept on going to the doctor, and then the doctor referred us to Great Ormond Street Hospital. Um, gosh, for short as, as as many of you know, um, for an operation, and it was again a challenging time, and we prayed and all all that kind of stuff. And thankfully, the operation was successful. They kind of slit it and did their thing, and emptied it, and, and kind of replumbed it, and all, everything was fine. And now he's a wonderful, wonderful, amazing, um, mischievous 12-year-old, um, or soon to be 12, um, young man. But even though the operation was successful, it was still a very emotional time for us. We needed babysitters, we needed help with travel, we needed help with, with taking the children, to the other, his elder siblings, to school. Um, and one of the things is that I have no family at all here in the UK. I'm from Jamaica, and so I couldn't call on anyone. <laughs> um, Christine has a couple of aunts and so on, a few cousins in Manchester. That's not exactly close. Um, and a few people who live, who live in um, in Stratford and, and Leyton, And they couldn't really help. And thankfully, our church family here, rallied around us we weren't members I wasn't an elder at the time I, I was a nobody, I'm still a nobody <laughs> in some respects and, um, and people just rallied around us and said, hey, what do you want? yeah, we know you're not a member here but it doesn't really matter <laughs> um, we'll, we'll babysit for you and we'll do this for you and, and I remember a couple of days uh, um, people brought food for me as well um, thankfully uh, it was just practical stuff Faith in action. Faith in action. They didn't just say, "Hey, I'm going to pray for you." <laughs> you know, um, thoughts and prayers. It, you know, you know. Sometimes, um, sometimes you you look on social media, and uh, people are are um, facing real, real challenges. They probably um, got a got a message from the doctor that they have, they have a terminal illness or. Um, some racial aggravation or, or something has happened, and someone says, thoughts and prayers to you, thoughts and prayers. What use is that? Follow up your faith with actions. So a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Pete was talking about um, favoritism. Do you have favoritism? Do you favor... A group of people versus another, and a couple of weeks prior to that, Alan Howe was talking about listening versus doing. Earlier on in in chapter one, verse twenty-two, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. You need to do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself or herself, goes away and immediately immediately forgets what they look like. Comparing and contrasting, worthless religion versus a religion that is pure and faultless before God. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James continues to talk about comparisons. What is good? What does good actually look like? And what does dead faith look like what does poor religion religion that counts for absolutely nothing what does that look like and it's basic stuff this is not rocket science faith with actions that is what our Lord and, and, and James is talking about so in today's text James is very very blunt and candid about faith and works. I'm going to go through, I'm going to unpack three different types of faith this morning. First one is faith that is dead and therefore useless. The second one is faith that is diabolical, probably even demonic, dare I say it. And the third one is, of course, the complete opposite. Faith that is alive, an action-packed, that is able to save. So let's look at the first one then. Dead faith. Chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds or actions? Can such faith save them? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And Jesus backs up James in this in chapter, in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21. "Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." A very, very harsh part of Scripture. Matthew chapter 25, very blunt, very frank, very frank, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. Sheep on the right hand, right, well, right hand of the Father at the end of this age who are righteous and who combine their faith with actions versus the goats on the left who probably believed in God, but did absolutely nothing. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And you came to visit me. And the king would reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then Jesus talks about the goats, who did the opposite, who only had faith and did absolutely nothing. And he said, They were cursed, and condemned to eternal punishment. It's harsh, isn't it? It is harsh. <clears throat> but it's easy to have faith and have actions as well, right? Um, it's not rocket science, and it's just a warning. I'm not here to scare anyone this morning um, and say you're going to you know eternal damnation, not at all. But it's just a warning, and just a stark warning that Jesus is backing up here what James is saying and also what Paul said in other in parts of scripture that you need to have faith and have actions as well. Faith alone. Faith alone is dead. Suppose we walked up on the high street in Billericay, midwinter, so a homeless person on the street, would you just say, I'll just pray for you? <laughs> Thoughts and prayers? No, we wouldn't, would we? We would give them what we have and give them a coat and so on. I remember once um, when my mother was alive, uh, probably about five, six years ago, and Christmas Eve, one Christmas Eve, I got a call that my mom needed to, to, to go into the hospital and I was here, and I couldn't do anything at all. And thankfully, I had a few friends who just called me and said, No, Bert, everything's fine. We'll just take her to the hospital. We'll sort her out. Um, and we'll take a cab if we need to. We'll drive there and all that kind of stuff. And everything was taken care of. And I was able to spend Christmas with my family, relaxed in the knowledge, knowing that I had friends who, who backed up their faith with actions. Basic, basic stuff, I don't know, but it's, it is so easily done, isn't it? To just have faith in God and think that we're okay. Think that that alone is fine. So that's dead faith. <laughs> Second one is diabolical faith. James chapter 2 verse 19 says that you, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And Jesus again backed up James in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 to 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers Wow Wow So Jesus here is saying, you know what Even demons believe that Jesus is God Even demons believe in eternal punishment Even demons know the Bible (laughs) So that's not good enough Luke 8, verse 31, after Jesus restored a demon-possessed man, and they, the demons, begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into eternal damnation. Even when Jesus was, was in the wilderness, he was tested in the wilderness. Satan quoted the Bible, Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up their hands so that they will not strike your foot against a stone so just do what I say Jesus everything will be alright and Jesus answered him it is also written do not put the Lord your God to the test so even the demons even Satan himself knows the scripture inside out they have a faith of sorts but don't necessarily follow it up with action. So first, there's dead faith, and second, there, there's diabolical faith. And then finally, there's a right kind of faith, action-packed, action-packed, alive faith. Verses 21 to 23, wasn't your our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham lived and believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And even Rahab, if we, you know, if we think that it's only about... Um, the great heroes of faith, even Rahab, who, who was a prostitute. She backed up her faith with her actions, and she was counted as righteous, and she was part of the lineage of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Even the famous faith passage, which we have no time to read now, Hebrews chapter 11, talks about faith in actions. Every single name in that in that chapter talks about faith in actions. Enoch, Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Moses, Rahab again, Gideon, Barak, Samson, everyone. But it's not talking about going out and scrambling around and and just doing everything in, in our own strength, in our own steam. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ who lives in me. In other words, Christ has already enabled us to do good works. He has already equipped us to do good works. Not in our own strength, but pray, look, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me today what I should do. Enable me to do Good works. Not at all in our own strength. So, finally, a call to action and conscious of time. Talk is cheap. Talk is so cheap. Combine our faith with our actions. Everything in life requires actions. Everything. If you want a job, you need to do, do something about it, right? If you want a, a new house, do something about it. If you want to get married, <laughs> do something about it. Amen. <laughs> if you want a new boyfriend or girlfriend, you've got to do something about it, right? So why is it that so many Christians <laughs> have faith and don't do anything about it? Sometimes you you look at the evidence of their lives and you're like, really? You call yourself a Christian? Okay. I'm not saying that we should be judging people um, every day, right? But it just goes without saying that it is so easy to do just to have faith, just to call yourself a Christian, just to say, you know what, I was baptized when I was 5 or 10 or 20 or whatever the age was. And uh, so I'm a Christian. I'm good. I'm cool. I I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in eternal punishment. I believe in going to heaven. If I don't back that up with, with actions, what good is it? And James says that it's completely useless. So let's not have a useless faith today. Let's go out there. Let's back up our faith with actions we can't bribe our way into heaven at all we can't but we can show our faith we can evidence our faith by our actions let's pray Father our lives are yours thank you thank you so much O God for who you are to us living in us, breathing we let go of our own selfish fears our insecurities our selfish ambitions and we pray O God that by your Holy Spirit and your word you would show us how to live live out our faith with actions Father, we love you. You are amazing. Forgive us, oh Father, for the times that we've been selfish, for the times we've not followed up and done stuff that you've shown us to do, actually. Help us, Father, going forward to live in faith and back that up with a live faith, action-packed, fulfilling our lives in our service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.